what a privilege to realize that he is faithful. What an awesome thing to realize that he's not only faithful, he's also good. To realize he's not just faithful and good, but that he loves you. Individually, collectively. You're not going to encounter anyone this week that Jesus doesn't love. You might encounter some you don't love. But you're not going to encounter any that he doesn't love. And here's where the friction is. Those that you don't love, but that he loves, we're supposed to love. Now, the easy rationalization is, well, since he does, I don't have to. That's okay as long as you're not actually following Christ. But if you claim to be following him, then you need to love them also. You don't necessarily have to like them. Whew. But you do need to love them. But we're to love them like Jesus loves. I don't know about you, but that is such an awesome thought and a scary thought and sometimes a frustrating thought because I confess there are some of those people that nobody in Sterling or Rock Falls area, people in other places, that I find hard to love. Anybody else have some of those? Don't point at me, please. As we reflect on this year, we have spent a whole year using one sermon title. It's time to. Several weeks ago, my wife said, I think on the last Sunday of the year, you need to announce it's time for a new title. If you take a look on the screen or in your bulletin, that's actually the name of this sermon. It's time for a new title. But I want us to look at this a little bit differently. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your phone or the Bible under the chair in front of you, I invite you to turn um, to follow along in Scripture. But let me help you as we get there. We're looking at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, and I'm going to make reference to a passage in, in Acts, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. And both of these deal with new titles because what I want us to focus on is not just the fact that next Sunday the sermon will have a different title, but the fact that it really is time for a new title for you and me, for us to have a different title. One time doing ministry with some kids at an event and they were like, what, what are we supposed to call you? I said, your highness has always been my favorite. And one kid for the next several months, every time he saw me, said, your highness. And his parents didn't go to our church. And I saw them one time out in the community. And as I called him by name and said hi to him, he said, hi, your highness. And his parents were like, what? Oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. Titles matter, though. 
My kids told me it was a, a couple of churches back where in that community I was coaching at the high school and I was the president of a service group that was taking place and, you know, pastor in the church and my kids had been there and been with me to some events and they said, Dad, I can tell where you know these people by what they call you. You know, if they called you coach, we know, you know, they're on your team. If they called you pastor, we assumed that they were at your church or you had had contact in that way. And they kind of went through this whole thing. And I was reminded of that this week, just thinking through titles. And I even wondered, what's your title or titles? Because most of us have more than one. I, I'm a husband and a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm an uncle and a brother. I'm sure I've been called other things too, but... I mean, what is your title? What do people call you? Not, not just by your name, but I mean, what would they call you? How would they refer to you? But more importantly, what's your title in relationship to Jesus Christ? Are you a child? Follower? Disciple? Curious, fan, enemy, what is your title in relationship to Christ? And I think for many of us, it's time for a new title. Take a look. John chapter 1, this is as Jesus begins calling his first disciples. And in John chapter 1, beginning of verse 35, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version it says the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And in case you're not aware, it's talking about John, who we call John the Baptist. I call him John the Baptizer because there weren't denominations back then. So, But the next day, uh, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was born, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? 
And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And the last sentence of the passage in Acts, Acts eleven nineteen through 26 says, And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Actually, it was supposed to be a derogatory term. They called them little Christs, Christians. You're following Christ. You're just one of those Christians. They had no clue that they had just given them the greatest title they would ever receive. What's your title? Is it time for a change? I take a look at this passage and I am struck by several things. To understand that it is time to move on. As we move on from a new year, it's time to move on. Number one, it's time to move from the familiar to the faithful. To move from that which, I know that stuff, to being faithful. We have a lot of things, don't we, that we go, that, that sounds familiar to me. Now, sometimes we do that to cover up. Somebody says, you know so-and-so, well, that name's familiar to me. In other words, you're going, I think I'm supposed to know them, but I have no clue who you're talking about. So that sounds familiar. And sometimes it really does. We just can't place where they're from. Some of the games that we played as a family were games where you're having to answer questions and give clues to try to answer questions. And so when people are given the clues, sometimes you're going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And every once in a while, I give one of those and go, I've heard that somewhere, but where? I think there's a lot of people who are saying they're following Christ who are really just familiar. I've heard a little bit about him. I think he was a good guy. But they're not faithful. They may not even know that he's faithful. It is time to move from being familiar to being faithful. For you see, there's a huge difference between knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. John, the baptizer, let his disciples go follow Jesus because he knew that was what was better. It was, in fact, the plan all along. And he said, there goes the Lamb of God. And two of his close disciples just up and followed him. Now, in our culture and the way things work today, we just can't fathom that. But they started following him upon the recommendation of someone else they already knew. That's why your witness is so important and so powerful. Many people won't consider Jesus until somebody they know, shows them, tells them, calls them to come and see. It's time for us to move from knowing about him, I've heard some stuff, to actually knowing him personally. The beauty 
of following Christ is he invites us not just to follow him, but to know him. And this passage showed he already knows us. I mean, he sees Peter and goes, oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah, we're going to call you the rock. Not the movie star of the rock. But a real rock. Oh, not because Peter was so strong in his faith. Read the New Testament. Peter had an um, amazing quality. He was fluent at putting his foot in his mouth. Which... <clears throat> kind of troublesome since I identify so much with Peter. And then he saw Nathaniel. <laughs> now there's, what he was saying is, this is a Jew of Jews. I mean, he is what he is, and he's going to say what he thinks and believes, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel's like, how did you know me? You see, he knows you already no matter what your title is right now. It's time to know him. And so I have to ask, do you know him? N not just is it familiar. Not just I know something about him, but do you know him? Secondly, it's time to move not just from, from familiar to faithful. It's time to move from fan to follower Kyle Eidelman, a number of years ago, wrote a, just an outstanding book entitled Not a Fan. I listened to him tell about how that book came about and how he was struggling and wrestling with an Easter sermon because he's going, oh, I identify with this. He's going, nearly everybody who's going to show up for Easter knows the Easter story. He's going, that's not enough. How do I move them? And this whole process has God led him to that kind of title. There are an awful lot of people who are fans of Jesus. But that's not enough. We need to be a follower. I mean, verses 35 to 39 tell how the first two, they saw Jesus, heard the recommendation or testimony of John, and they began to follow him. And we might think it odd that they asked, where are you staying? In fact, most of us would go, that's none of your business, really. But in that day, somebody who was a disciple, somebody would often stay either at the same place as the one they were following or somewhere near there. That was just common. Disciples stayed near the one they were following. It says, where, where are you staying? So we know. And Jesus knew that the only way for them to move from just being a fan of his, just moving from somebody who was following because of a recommendation to actually being a follower, was to come and see. I thought a lot about that phrase as I've been putting the sermon together, and I can't get away from that. In fact, I thought, what a great witnessing statement. So why do you go to church? Well, come and see. To teens. I mean, why do you take time on a Sunday evening to go to a youth group? Hey, come and see. Kids who come on Sunday morning when they could be sleeping. 
And they head down with Miss Aaron at Children's Church. And it's like, why would you do that? Come and see. But more importantly, Jesus, you talk. Why? Well, come and see. Let me show you and tell you about him. It's time to move from just giving God a thumbs up, yay God, to being someone who follows Christ. So the question is, have you taken the challenge? Come and see. See, one of the ways to take that challenge is to read the word. Come and see. Who is this guy? To know what he said, what was said about him, and how it changes our life. To come and check him out, to see who Jesus is, where he's going, and how you can contribute to his mission and call. It's time to move from being a fan to a follower. There's an awful lot of people that give God thumbs up. I mean, they think life is Facebook. Yeah, I'm all about that. Okay, well, then let's, well, no, but I'm all about it. It's time to move and change our title from being a fan of his to being a follower of his. And third, it's time beyond familiar to faithful and fan to follower. It's time to move from member to minister, from just joining the cause and signing your name on something to actually serving in his cause and his call. Verses 41 to 45. I mean, we have found the Messiah. Andrew tells Simon, now about to become Peter. The next day, I, I have to put this in there too. The scripture says that Andrew first went to his brother Simon. So the understanding, the implication, and the truth is that's not the only person Andrew told about Jesus. He was just the first. And as many of you know, sometimes witnessing to family is the hardest witness because they know you and they have memories of you. I love hearing people's memories, family stuff. The last few days, there were a lot of stories shared that are just none of your business, but in our family, as siblings and cousins and kids reminding parents and parents reminding kids of stuff from the past, it was awesome. But it's time for us to make sure that we have moved from just a yay God, moved from just saying I'm in to actually contributing or serving to the cause. To move from someone who is acknowledging Christ in the church to someone who is showing up to serve others. I think the greatest challenge that we ignore in following Christ is that we are to follow Christ not just for our benefit, but so that we can change others' lives. 
then if we follow Christ's example, that means I'm looking out for your needs even more than mine. See, if Jesus would have just been looking out for his needs, he'd have never gone to the cross. But he was looking out for yours. So he took the difficult road. If we're going to move from just being somebody who has signed their name on the line to being a servant, a follower, a minister. We have to move beyond ourselves and improve the lives of others. After encountering Jesus, Philip, like Andrew, went and found Nathaniel and told him about Jesus, just like Andrew did with Peter. So let me ask you, who are you finding and telling about Jesus? Who are you going to find to tell about Jesus? I was so moved by a conversation with one of my grandkids this week as they shared with me that they have a goal in the next six months because they got a couple of friends who don't know Jesus and said, Grandpa, in the next six months, I, I know I need to tell them about Jesus. I was thrilled, I was humbled, and I was convicted. Who are you finding to tell about Jesus? It's time for us to change our title from just being in the group to serving, contributing. Lastly, it's time to move from member to minister, from fan to follower. It's time to move from familiar to faithful. It's also time to move from selfish to surrendered. <clears throat> now I realize that you might have wished the sermon ended after number three. Well, frankly, when I was studying, so did I. But this passage shows us clearly that we've been called to move beyond ourselves. To seek what's best for others while following him. From living for ourself to surrendering our life to and for Christ. Then living for Christ and his purposes. That means acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. That means we have to take ourselves off the throne of our life and make sure he's there and only him. That's not an easy thing to do. But it's not impossible with his help. Acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. Moving from selfish to surrendered means we go from living your life for yourself to living your life on this firm foundation. That solid rock. That's why Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. And on first blush, that made no sense. And yet, on the day of Pentecost, 
Read in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Of all the disciples, Peter's the one who stood up and preached as the Holy Spirit came pouring out and drew everybody together and to thousands of people. Peter of all the disciples. Peter, open mouth, insert foot. Peter told them about Jesus. And thousands came to faith in that moment. To move from selfish to surrendered. To move from looking out what's best for me. Now here's the thing. We, we sometimes go, was nobody looking out for me? Well, yeah, the one you're serving is. We so often forget that. And Satan forgets to say that when he whispers to you, you got to look out for yourself. So we have a saying in our culture, right? Got to look out for number one. That's an accurate statement. The problem is, who's number one? See, our culture means look out for yourself. No, no, no. Go ahead, look out for number one as long as number one is Christ. Looking out for him, what he desires, what he requires, what he has called us to. And when we do, we are living our life on the firm foundation of who he is, of his death and resurrection, of his call to us. We move from fan to follower, from familiar to faithful. We move from member to minister when we move from selfish to surrendered. You see, really, the sermon's backwards because we need to start with moving from selfish to surrendered. Then we don't even have to talk about the other three because we'll do it. So I have to ask, are you surrendered to Christ right now? What new title do you need to obtain? What needs to change in your title in relationship to Christ? And maybe the harder question, what changes are you willing to make or have made to you for that to take place. Just imagine for a moment what could happen in 2024 if you make this move and change that title. If you change it from selfish to surrendered, if you change it from member to minister, if you change it from fan to follower, if you change it from familiar to faithful. A faithful follower who ministers, surrendered. I want that title. Jesus, in this moment, as I prepared this week, I had no idea how to close this. So I'm just going to put it in your hands. Lord, move as you already have been among us. Speak to hearts and minds. Identify for us which of these applies to us. Familiar to faithful or fan to follower, member to minister, selfish to surrendered. Zero in on that through the conviction of your Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, may we enter a new calendar year by changing our title. May this church change its title. May it no longer be about us, but only about you and those we need to reach. Whatever changes that requires, give us the courage to be willing to allow or to do the change. Give us the courage to serve and act on those changes. Give us the courage to give for those changes. Give us the maturity to celebrate those changes. Even if it feels a bit unfamiliar and uncomfortable at first. Lord, you have done some amazing things in our midst this year. Some of that's evidenced by people that are simply sitting here this morning who wouldn't have considered it a year ago. Lord, keep doing that. Moving in each individual heart and start with me. May this be a year of surrender, of ministry, of following, and of faithfulness. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray and plead for others to follow me in that pursuit. Amen.